It's been really challenging, hasn't it, as we've been looking at um, Jesus teaching on the kingdom. And um, I have to say um, that this week I've been in complete bits as I've looked at this passage and looked at the cost of the kingdom and just been challenged in my own life of, of where I sit with this. You know, sometimes when you see like the people that get up to preach, you, you might think that we, we're preaching out of a place of um, we've, we've, we're, we're somehow um, different from you and, and the, the truth is we're not. And, and all of the brothers and sisters in Christ that have, have gone before through all, all the centuries and, and have laid down their lives for the kingdom, they're no different from me and you. They're all people that started off their lives um, wanting a good life, but then realizing that there is a better reality in the kingdom of God. And in our Western culture, so I'm not speaking to our international brothers and sisters that are so wonderfully here, but in our Western culture, church has become very consumerist. It's all about our comfort and what we can get out of it. And it's the complete opposite of that. And if you take Jesus' words seriously, as we, as we do in Jubilee, we take it very seriously. Um, it leaves you with lots of questions. So what is my response going to be to what Jesus is actually saying? What is Jesus demanding of my life in this moment, in this place, in, in 2023, in the city of Hull and where could that lead me to what is the calling of God on your life each one of you is called and has a purpose and if I'm honest I think there's a whole bunch of us that um, are not are not realizing the call on our lives and I would probably include myself in that and so it's it's an opportunity today for us to actually step up step forward and press on to take hold of the prize Paul writes, which Christ has called us to. So where was, where was this journey taking place? So Luke, Luke 9 is great. And, um, the, the, we're going to refer to other part, uh, parts of Luke 9 as, as we talk through this morning. But as they were going along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Where, where were they going? Because the destination is kind of important, isn't it? Where were they going? Well, they were on their way to Jerusalem. They were on the way to Jerusalem. And, and why was Jesus, with his disciples and, 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 his, and his friends and people that were following him, why was he going to Jerusalem? Well, he was going to die. He was on his way. He'd, he'd set off on that journey to, to die and to lay down his life. And the guy says to him, I will follow you wherever you will go. And, and the thing is, is that it's so easy on a Sunday to say, I will follow you and I will go wherever you, you want me to go. It's dead easy to say that. It's really easy to say it in worship, isn't it? You know, when you've got your hands in the air, and the Spirit of God's here, and we're feeling like, oh yeah, Jesus, you are amazing. I'll go, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then the reality kicks in of what that might mean. And then we shrink back. But that's what this guy was like. And he's like, 
I'll go wherever you want me to go. And Jesus replied, foxes, I mean, Jesus never tells it, it never kind of like puts it really easy for us, does he? He always like, he always gives us a lot more than you probably were asking for. And he says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Indicating to us and indicating to you and me now that the call of following Christ is not going to be easy. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's not going to be easy. And it was never meant to be. Right? So if you were... I absolutely love my bed. I I could stay in bed all day. I, I love my bed. You know, it's like... If God invented anything better than bed, he kept it for himself. Because I absolutely love, I actually, you know, like, there's a part of us that wants that easy life. You know, lay back, you know, sip a bit of wine, have a nice meal. That's not the kingdom. It's not the kingdom. Yes, you might get to do that along the way. Paul says he's content in all things. But the, there's some, yes, there's some contentment, but it, it's not in things, it's in Christ. And the foxes, they're okay, because they've got somewhere to live, and, and the birds have got their nice cosy nests, but the Son of Man. Now, if you, if you want to follow Jesus, really, it's not, it's not designed to be comfortable. It won't be comfortable. I'm telling you, it's not going to, if, if you're really going to follow Jesus, it ain't going to be comfortable. There's a cost. It comes at a cost. And you think that's challenging, it's going to get even more challenging as we go on this morning, unfortunately. Um, it's like, cause, and, and these are not my words. I'm just, I'm just sharing with you what Jesus said. And as I've read Jesus' words this week again, afresh, with fresh eyes, I've been in bits. I've been in bits, I've questioned everything this week. He said to another man, follow me. And he replied, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Bit harsh, isn't it? That this guy says, I'll, I'll, you know, Jesus says, come and follow me. And he's like, well, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus is saying, let the dead bury their own dead. In Jewish culture, and this is, this is set in Jewish culture, there were only two reasons that you didn't bury your dead. One was that you were the high priest, right, and, and had other family to do that for you, or you'd taken a Nazarite vow. It was a high calling upon Jews to make sure that they did their burials well. A high calling. And here's Jesus saying, let the dead bury their own dead. Because the kingdom is not only important, but the kingdom is urgent. The kingdom is so important that it would mean that you would leave everything behind. And you know, when Jesus called the disciples on the, on the lake shore of Galilee and they set off to follow him, they, they weren't going back. They'd gone. There's, there's, no going, there's no record of them going back to um, a, a nice, comfortable um, life after Jesus had died on the cross, ascended and then, um, you know, rose again and ascended into heaven. There was no record of that. No, the, the opposite was true. It just got more brutal as time went on. 
because there was a kingdom to proclaim and the kingdom was urgent. Let the dead bury their own dead. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Reasonable request, isn't it? But Jesus said, no, no. You're not going back to... You're not understanding. We're we're on a journey here. We're going somewhere. And we haven't got the time for you to go back and say goodbye to your family. And Jesus replied again. He makes it really easy for us. No one puts a hand to the plow and looks back. He's fit for service in the kingdom of God. I mean, how many have been plowing this week? I mean, apart from John, maybe. You know, has anybody been plowing? What does that mean? Keith's been plowing. Well, that's great. I'm glad Keith's been plowing. What does that mean? Nobody who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, Know that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward for what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And what Jesus was really talking about when he's talking about don't even put your hand to the plow, he's referring to the calling of Elisha in in Kings. So if you've got a Bible, do you want to flick through to 1 Kings 19 if you're reading from... Yeah, 1 Kings 19, verses 19 and 21. I'm just going to read that for you. And this is what Jesus is is looking at. He's referring back to this well-known passage, the calling of Elisha. Elijah was the the prophet of God. And um, he he comes to Elisha, similar name. I always get them mixed up, don't you? And he, he calls him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha son of Shaphat he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah let me kiss my father and mother goodbye he said and then I will come with you go back Elijah replied what have I done to you so Elijah left him and went back he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate and then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant Elisha was obviously from a very wealthy family he obviously had lots and lots and lots of money He had 12 pairs of oxen. That's 24 oxen. He had 12 plows. Must have been a big field. um, Or fields. And he's plowing, minding his own business. Isn't that often the way? You're just minding your own business, getting on with your life, and then God kind of breaks in, and that's what happened to Elisha. And, And... and, he, and Elijah comes to him, wraps his cloak around him, and, and, and basically he's saying, you now need to come and follow me. And it says that he did run after Elijah, but then he said, can I not first go back? Go back and say goodbye. 
and he goes back and says goodbye. But to seal the deal, to show that he'd moved from this, this life that he was living, that he'd given everything up, he, he did um, something that signifies that he had no intention of ever going back. He burnt his plow. He slaughtered his oxen. He made a gift of them for the people and then left. That, and when God calls us, that's often what we have to do. We often have to leave our old ways behind. We have to leave our old friends behind. We have to leave our own um, ways of doing things behind. We have to change our reality in order to take hold of Christ and to follow him. And so Elisha is doing that in this passage. And Jesus is referring that about putting your hand to the plow. He's saying, don't go and do that. And the reason for that is because the kingdom is pressing. The time is coming, folks, when Jesus is going to come back. I don't know when it's going to be, but he's coming back. We pray, come Lord Jesus. We, we sing, come Lord Jesus. Jesus is coming back. The, the kingdom is pressing, it's urgent. You know, you haven't got time. There isn't the time to mess about. I love, I love you know, many of you in this church, if I said, right, I'm, I've got to go here and cast out a demon, or I've got to go here and tell somebody about Jesus, or I've got to go there, and you're like, you're like yeah, come on, Phil, let's go. And then there's a whole, another whole bunch of you that can't even serve on a rotor in church. And, you know, it's like this contrast of Western, you know, consumeristic, the church is there for me, mentality, and the cost of the kingdom, which is laying it all down for Jesus. It's the, you know, and the laying it all down for Jesus is authentic Christianity. The authentic Christianity is laying it all down for Jesus. Is, is laying everything down to follow him. Putting him as the number one in your life. He is the first. He's the number one. He's the one that we follow. And so, the kingdom is urgent. The kingdom is urgent and we haven't got time to um, continue in our old ways. And in our old lives, we've got to start to lay everything down for the sake of the kingdom. And that means it's going to be hard. When I got saved, I was, I don't know, I was 28. And... Um, Within a, within a few months of um, coming to faith in Jesus, I felt a calling on my life. I was, I'd just, I'd just after many, many years of training and, and slaving away in the kitchen, I'd become a head chef. Uh, you know, and, I'd, and I was doing all right. And God asked me to, to give it all up, to quit. I had, uh, um, De Debbie, I was married to Debbie, of course my beautiful wife, and um, had two children under the age of two. And God said, quit. Quit your job and trust me and go and serve God as an evangelist working in schools and in prisons and trust me that I will provide for all of, all of your needs. No, no social security, no wage coming in, no working for a charity, just... Trust me to go out and tell people about Jesus and I will provide for you and your wife and kids. And um, that's a really big step, especially when, you, when your family are from all and they're not Christian. You know, like that was not our culture. 
If my daughter wanted, as a first generation Christian, if my daughter wants to do that, I'd be like, yeah, go for it, I'll pray for you. You want, you want, to, you want to go to Azerbaijan? Yeah, go. I'll pray for you. But no, my family weren't like that. They weren't exactly supportive. And, um, and so, it, it was actually April Fool's Day that I, I started doing this. Yeah, the irony. But April Fool's Day, I'm a fool for Christ, who's fool you? You know? And um, so we got to the end of April, and we'd all been fed, because we were still alive, and the mortgage had been paid, and we'd paid all the bills. We got to the end of May, and we'd done the same. And all the way through, God was just being faithful. And how did it come in? If any of you, next time you're around at my house and you want to find out, I've got a book that shows you as it, as it all came in and recorded everything. And what I'm saying is that there's a cost. There was a cost. And there still is a cost. And, and it doesn't just apply to, to me. It applies to you. There's a cost. I know I'm looking at Lauren there and I'm thinking, you know, like Lauren and Casey, did I see Casey earlier? You know, Lauren and Casey were brought up on the mission field in, in Honduras. You know, there's a, there was a cost, wasn't there? Yeah? There's a cost to doing that. And for many other people that have laid down their lives to Christ, there's been a cost. And sometimes that cost is, is great. So how do we count the cost? Well, earlier on in, in Luke 9, um, just looking at the time, Luke 9, um, Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good, it is, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Ouch. That's a tough word, isn't it? Tough word. I mean, like, Jesus hadn't even been to the cross when he wrote that. And he's talking about crosses. And, and he wasn't talking about his cross. He was talking about yours and mine and theirs. He was talking about their cross. And they would have understood um, what the cross was because they would have seen thousands of people executed on the cross. There was one time they ran out of wood in Jerusalem because they crucified so many people. They, they would have understood that the cross was a brutal um, form of torture. And Jesus is, is, is telling us so that we were in no doubt that um, it's possible that in following me you could have to give the ultimate cost which is laying down your life literally for me and there are many many people countless thousands of martyrs through all the ages that have done that the very words that I'm reading from the scripture there was a cost to get this bible translated into English so that we could read it. Somebody died. And many of you might not have heard of Tyndale, but Google him when you get home. You know, Google Tyndale. Google Wycliffe. Google these guys that, that, that sacrificed everything. Denying yourself, following Jesus, 
being proud to bear his name and being prepared to die for him. How do we count that cost? In Luke 14, a bit further on in Luke, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turned to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hear his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What? What are you saying now, Jesus? Come on. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. How do we analyze the cost? How do we, how do we know that we want to pay that cost? How do, we, how do we analyze it? And Jesus goes on, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him? With 20,000. And if he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus, Jesus when he's talking about the cost, he's, he starts with, so Jesus requires commitment to the highest possible cost. He's saying, the highest possible cost of you following me is this, is death. And it could, it could be painful death. That's the highest possible cost that you, you could pay for following me. And he starts off at that place because nothing later is going to be a surprise because you've already agreed to lay down everything for him. And, and, and it's important that you, that you start off at that place. And if, and if you've just sort of like said yes to Jesus and you've not got to that point, then that leaves you in a difficult place, doesn't it? And I'm sorry about that. But there is a cost. It's a high cost. We're not, we're not playing, are we? We're not playing games here. The cost of following Jesus could cost you everything. Disciples are all in or not in. Half-hearted allegiance is not allegiance. Jesus demands everything. When you give your life to him, he takes that, that you, you, you your life is now his you die to your old self and you live for him after the Methodist revival in, in this country thousands and thousands of people were pouring out of these shores to go on the mission field to take the, the gospel to the nations of the earth they were called one way missionaries can we have that picture up if, that, if that's possible is that possible They, would, um, they were called one-way missionaries because they would pack everything that they had, a Bible and all their belongings into a coffin and, and set sail to, for a far-off land knowing that they would never return. Many of them lasted only three months on the mission field 
because they would succumb to things like malaria and dengue fever and other, other tropical diseases. And although they knew that many people were dying on the mission field as they went to places like Nigeria. Is anybody here from Nigeria? <laughs> yeah, there's a few. You know, Nigeria or uh, Papua New Guinea or India or wherever you, you know, wherever you would care to mention, they would, they would pack their belongings into a, into a coffin like that and they would board a ship. There was, not, there was no EasyJet or Virgin Atlantic or Kenya Airways in those days. It was like a long, brutal journey to wherever they were going. And they would end up there. And many of them didn't last. A good example of this sort of commitment and intentionality was a missionary named Peter Milne. Milne selected as his mission a tribe of headhunters in the New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific of the coast of Australia. Every other missionary that had attempted this had been killed. And Milne had no guarantee that would not be true of him as well. Still, he was not deterred, so he went off with his coffin. He spent more than 50 years in the islands witnessing to the tribesmen about Jesus. And when he died of natural causes, the tribe who he'd been reaching buried him in the grave and noted with his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. I love that. I love that. When he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. Because they'd all received Christ. That's a high calling. It's a high calling to give up your life. All the, all the thousands of men and women that are out in the, in, in the world now translating the Bible into all the different languages so, they, so these people can, can hear you know, the gospel in their own language. You know, a friend of ours went out when she was in her 20s and she's still there. She's my age now. Translating the Bible into a different language. But there's thousands of people like that and there's thousands that have answered the call of Christ to go. And I wonder what the calling is on your life. What is the calling on your life? Where is God calling you to go and serve? He might be calling you to Hull. Hull needs the gospel. Oh my days, we need the gospel. But maybe it's time to step up. Turn to somebody next to you and say, maybe it's time to step up. Maybe it's time to answer the call. Instead of investing in self, maybe it's time to invest in the kingdom. To lay down your lives for the, for the, for the greatest possible adventure that you could ever go on. He's following Jesus. I want to tell you that, right? I've been a Christian 30 years this year. And it has been a wild ride. Like, it's been wild. It's like some of the things I get to do are absolutely mad. But I love it. I love it. And I've been, I've been in some real predicaments. And in some and real, like, hairy, scary places. And, um, and do I feel like doing it? No, I don't. Sometimes I'd rather just stay in bed, like I was saying. You know, quite often I, would, I feel like just staying in bed. You know, putting Netflix on and, and you know, having a mug of tea. You know, we all feel like that, don't we? But the thing is that there's a, there's a kingdom to proclaim. There's a well to reach with the gospel. And 
it doesn't matter whether you're 16 or older than that, 60, 70, 80, 90. There are still work for God wants you to do and be involved in doing. And we get to do it together as a family. And we get to walk with him. And we get to proclaim Jesus. And we get to lay down our lives for this stuff. Because we know that God never asks us to do something that he would not do himself. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for for the world that needs Jesus. There's a real hurting broken world out there. And they need to hear about Jesus. And how can they go unless somebody's sent? And how can they hear unless somebody preaches to them? We've got to be the ones that go. We've got a call in our lives to go. So we can't stay. Would you all like to stand? Before the band starts, to, starts playing again, would you all like to just close your eyes for a moment? I'm just aware in moments like this that um, God is, is speaking. Every single one of you in this room will have heard something different that I've said this morning. And you'll all have heard it in different ways because of your, your worldview and your, your understanding of Scripture and, and how long you've been walking with Him and how you hear Him. But the truth is that each one of you is called. And each one of you has a purpose. But there's a cost. It might mean moving from the place that you are. It might mean giving something up. It might mean changing something around. It might mean stepping out where you've never stepped out before. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You're the one that reveals truth. You're the one that speaks truth into our lives. I pray now, Lord, as we stand in your presence, that, God, you would speak and that you would show us where you're calling us. And we pray for the grace to step into that. In the name of Jesus.